What's good, people? Camera's over there. <laughs> I'm all confused. I got Rob McLean in studio today. Guys, this is Sports Debate Tuesday. I'm so glad to be back. I hope you're all fat and happy like me because the episode starts right now. Yo, what's up? What's happening, my brother? Got to give the people what we want. <laughs> got to right. give, give the people what they want. Oh, I love that background. How's your Thanksgiving? It was plentiful with food and yeah. lots of things, so I'm happy. Yeah, I was telling you before we got on the podcast, I did like a 4K run, uh, one of those little turkey trots. And and me, if if I'm a full out of a run, if I, if I want to quit, it's probably going to be like the first half mile. If I'm if I get my breath control on my second win, I could right. go all day at right. a certain speed. So, you know, we're kind of towards the end, and then someone says half mile left. So I believe him, right? So half mile, I'm like, all right, let me just gun it, and you know, get a better time. And then I went a half mile, and it was there was still like a whole half mile left. So I was mad, breathing like um, my breathing was uneasy because I, you know, I thought I was just I, I thought it was just for the finish. Right. Man, you know, uh, I was That's so rough. so mad at that dude, man. I'm like, I, 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 do I have enough energy to run back and fuck that dude up? <laughs> ah, so the live version missed that version of the story and good, because maybe because I used the F word. So covering a lot of things. LeBron used the F word. Okay, that's going to be on our to shame or not to shame. We got, of course, our weekly pick six. Um, a small house event for the UFC. Um, I'm really only interested in the top heavy part. That's Jose Aldo. And then the next week is going to be just ridiculously I sick. That's going to be a, probably a better episode for MMA. Uh, of course, we got our quick question, um, which is getting longer and longer every week because now basketball is becoming more interesting towards the holidays. And True. football, of course, is, is rounding about whatever. You were right about your New England, our New England Patriots. I was I was right about my Buffalo Bills. They're tied for first. Eight Patriots have a tiebreaker. But, Rob, first things first. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> Cowboys for three years in a row have once again dished out a Thanksgiving stinker, including a couple of years ago when they got absolutely pantsed by the Buffalo Bills on national TV. Um, and I remember Skip Bayless saying that like Thanksgiving is probably like the second most aired a uh, watch football game. Made the Super Bowl, right? The Thanksgiving games, because everyone's home. There's only one game, one game. You know, there's not like multiple games. There's one game on the watch, and I was. We were big on this team, right? They had a good defense. Diggs is doing their thing. You know, Zeke. Um, whatever Zeke couldn't do, it seemed like Pollard could. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've always been high on Dak. Uh, you know, I'm, I know I've been a minority on that, but um. I've, he's always been one of my favorite quarterbacks. And again, before Josh Allen, I, I wished he could have been for the, with the Bills. But here we go. They're, they lost two in a row. They lost three out of four. And this Raiders was, was an absolute... It was a game where I, I, you felt like the Raiders were trying to give it to them. They had poor clock management at the end, at the end which I, actually led to the overtime, you know. And then, you know, they go for this... Dallas goes for this ridiculous, cute dipsy two-point conversion that made no freaking sense to me so the general question because i were, i did all the talking here mm. um are they are the dallas cowboys in trouble so <clears throat> now before as you answer this mm -hmm. i'm going to put up the remaining games all right? all right just do that so we could look at that together 
Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys for me, uh, the the only reason that they're not in trouble is because of the rest of their division. You know, you have uh, you have uh, what's it called? You got Washington who just lost Chase Young. You know, you have uh, the Giants who've been banged up all year, and you have uh, the Philadelphia Eagles who haven't really been, you know, living up to expectations. Let's say. So, uh, you know, I think it's just the rest of their the rest of their division that's not going to step up and take advantage of what the Cowboys always consistently give, which is a chance to lose the division. So, uh, yes, I believe they're giving to chances to lose, but um, no, the 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 rest of the division will lose out, and uh, the, the Cowboys will will get to the playoffs. But um, I have to say, the reason is not because the Cowboys aren't a great team; they have a lot of talent. They had a fantastic draft year. I mean, they got Micah Parsons. They got uh, Trayvon Diggs. I mean, you got two all-star defensive players. You got CeeDee Lamb, an all-star, you know, uh, offensive player. You got a great offense. You got a great running back, two great running backs. And still, we're questioning if they're able to, you know, make it to the playoffs. Cooper Rush had an amazing game one year, one game this year already. How and how are we talking about the Cowboys not being one of the best teams in the league? That's where I'm. That's where I'm at. So again, I just think there's something in that organization. I, it might not even be Jerry Jones. Maybe he's making good draft picks, and there's somebody in there that's sabotaging. But there's something wrong with the Cowboys, and these are the reasons why they will not win championships until it gets solved. Rob, <laughs> hold on. Whoa, whoa! I didn't do this yet. I got. I didn't do this yet. And there goes the echo sound. Rob, keep it, McLean, McLean. I always joke around, right? Sorry, I'm just trying to fix my mic, get rid of that sound. <clears throat> I always joke around that there, there, there's a black cat running around that franchise. You know, you got Stephen A. Smith talking about that and this and that. And to me, it's a joke. But when you have a team like this that has a top five quarterback, some say top ten, fine. You got a pretty good offensive line. You got, you got Hall of Famers, you know, at that left tackle and left guard. You got uh, Zeke. You know, who hasn't really produced, but um, Ken Pollard, who's been the best backup in the history of Dallas Cowboys. You know, go back to Moose Johnston to find that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This amazing core wide receivers, albeit both of them are are COVID, uh, I think, right? It was um, um, Amari Cooper and And CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb. I mean, those two can just set the world on fire. You got a pretty good defense, good secondary, um, Super Bowl winning coach. What could possibly go wrong except the star in their helmet? And now I'm starting to believe there's a some kind of there's some kind of curse <laughs> imbued in the middle of that in the middle of that stadium, and they got they got to dig it up, they got to dig it out because me and you, we both picked them to win this Thursday, right. uh, last Thursday against the Raiders. They got the Saints coming up, and um, but as to the question of are they in trouble? No. No, I expected them to win a division, and I expected them to be one and done. That's not, you know, in trouble is, is comes from their nauseating, annoying fan base that when they win a game against like the Jaguars, you know, this team could go all the way. Yeah, right. We 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 we've heard that, we've seen that, and and it, it it's kind of silly um, for us to keep going through that every every year right. when they win a game, and so. My answer is no. They're not in trouble. They're they're exact. They're gonna go exactly where I want. Now, my definition of trouble is not winning the division. 
And again, if you if you look at this this the schedule, you got you got the Saints up next, right? Um, that's a winnable game without mm-hmm. without a real quarterback. I mean, Trevor Simeon, I don't trust him to set their world on fire. Um, Kamara, though, though, I think uh, Kamara's as well and might play that game. So that's that's a, that's a pending uh, on news on that. Um, they should beat the Giants, right? They should beat Washington twice. The, the, the only real loss I see on there is the Cardinals. So right now it's seven and four. If they win two of those, what do you think? Nine? Do you think nine, seven, and nine and seven, nine and? I mean, the Washington Redskins are the closest team. That that's going to be the biggest games. No. Are going to be the Washington games because one that's going to you know hold the the the, the record the tiebreaker between the divisions and they haven't played either of those games yet. Washington, although they have lost Chase Young, they've been playing great football. You know, uh, and the Giants. Uh, sorry, the Giants. Uh, Dallas just lost this entire game. They lost their entire coaching staff due to COVID, uh, and their defensive coordinator, I believe, is going to be their head coach. I think this is going to be a really tough game for them. I think it's going to be a really tough game for them against the Saints team who they want to win. You know, they're, they're right there. They just don't have that consistency at quarterback. So you find something at quarterback. You get Trevor Simeon to do something good at quarterback. You get a little bit of a running game. That defense is real, you know, so it could stifle the offense of, uh, of the Cowboys, you know, especially with no uh, real – um, you know, coaching staff to lead them along. You've seen it. Dak has gone 42, 42 points to, to, you know, 42 and six type of game, or, you know, they get stifled and it's like 15, four, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's not. He's 29 and zero when they rush for a hundred, when they have a hundred yard rusher. Sure. I'm sure. It's 29 and zero. I mean, I, I mean, not, neither one of us are professional football coaches, but this is certainly a level. This is certainly a level where we can we can say, run the ball. <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't. I don't think you have to be an, a football aficionado, and I think we're both football purists and we're we're super fans. But we don't we don't need to be a gladiator in an arena to say run the ball. Just you know, stop. Now, I mean, um, will they miss McCarthy this Thursday? No, because I don't think that man makes a whole bunch of decisions that cost them games or win them games. They 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 lose at the end whether he's there or not, or they win by a lot, 43-3. Remember, they beat the, beat the crap out of the Falcons. The people who make those decisions are, the, are his, his assistant coaches. Um, I know he's got um, who's, whoever the former coach of the Falcons is. Probably the, um, the, he's the Arthur DC. Smith. Yeah. Um, Arthur Smith? Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, well, well I'll, I'll actually have someone plug that up, but they're probably going to get the special teams coach to do it because this way the, the OC can be can work on offense, the DC can but work on defense. That's what I'm saying. I think that there's like you should look it up, but yeah, there's right literally now. I think every single coach that they have is on COVID protocol, so they won't be able to get there on Thursday. And the only coach that's available is their defensive coordinator. Oh my God! So Cowboys, it's pretty nuts what's going on right now in the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Let's see who um, he is. Dan Quinn, that's who it was. Dan Quinn, there you yeah, go. Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. I think Arthur Smith is now. Boom, let's do that. There's our man Dan Quinn right there. Yep. So, wow, that was a pretty easy question. We um, there's something else I wanted to talk about with football and and hiring coaches, but I think since we don't have an actual segment of before we go, we could talk about that at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we move on to topic two. That is, haha, NFL pick six. Mm-hmm. NFL pick six. Last week you were four and two. 
Uh, yours truly was four and two. Greg Faulkner, thank you for playing against the host. Battle the host, try to beat the host. Ah, we're player haters. You were two and four. Um, now the guest, our our our, our special guest who battles us every week, are now thirty-seven and twenty. I'm thirty-five and twenty-four. You're thirty-one and twenty-eight. And that's what's going on. But let's move on to our weekly pick six. Let's go to game one. Speaking of the Cowboys, they play the Saints on Thursday. Who you got? Man. Uh, yeah, I got the Cowboys. Uh, I just think the Saints don't re- aren't really going to produce enough points. Um, Trevor Simeon, I just don't like what I see. And, uh, yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to start picking it up and being their own team. I pick the Cowboys, and I, and I don't know if a lot of it comes from being a prisoner of the moment. Um with um how they played the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving Thanksgiving but even even with Kamara healthy I don't really see I you you pretty much know any decent coach is going to stack eight in the box if Kamara's healthy and Derek Trevor Simeon to beat you and you got Diggs playing really really good defense right now I mean the reason why that team was good on offense the Saints were because of Michael Thomas you know you could say what you wanted about Drew Brees but Michael Thomas was far and beyond the best wide receiver in the league so they're yeah. missing him yeah. big time yeah they're uh, Yep. <laughs> We're both going Cowboys. Uh, game two, Giants at Dolphins. The G-Men pulled out a big, big win against the Eagles, but the Dolphins' uh, defense is is looking very Flores-like. <laughs> yes, flying around. Um, sometimes I like to go with the host, even though the Giants are good, are good or, you know, if, I'm, if it's like a pick them. But the Giants are really, really good on the road. And with Barkley back, I think, I think I'm going to go G-Men on this. Yeah, I got guts, <laughs> man. I, I keep flipping flopping on this one. It's hard to say. I think that the Giants are gonna do really well. I just don't like what Bar- like what they how they utilize Barkley. So I, I never really see him as that much of a of a of a linchpin of the offense right now. Um, the defense has been phenomenal, and I think that's why the Giants would win this game if they they got their defense, but. Um, yeah, I just like what the Dolphins are doing right now. I think that, like you said, they're flying around to the ball on defense. You know, Tua and their offense are, you know, slowly matriculating to something decent. And for the last couple of weeks, the Giants have only been able to put up 14, 15, you know, 17 points max. So I just don't think they're going to be able to, to hold back that offense. I'm going to go with the Dolphins on this one. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm going against the Giants two oh, weeks in a row. Oh, man. Well, look, it's not like they haven't disappointed you on some of these picks. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, game three, you're going to go first on this one. We have the Chargers visiting the Bengals. Yeah, man. I I, I, I feel so bad for the Chargers because I think it's just that sophomore slump for, for Justin Herbert. But, yeah, uh, the Bengals are just peaking. I, I love what they're doing. They're flying the ball on defense. They got a couple of young draft picks. They have really nice offense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bengals on this one. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati on this one. Burrow is um, happy about the win, but there's this level of hunger where like winning a game here and there is not enough. Um, before Burrow went there, they they've been doing that with Andy Dalton, and and there's a reason why they brought this guy in. This this man is not this man is there to dominate. I mean, all the way from LSU, he's doing so many good things that he did from college that you always have concerns, right? Because of the pros, the defense move move faster. faster. They're bigger. They're stronger, and they talk so much shit. Um, and here he is. Winning record in one of the toughest divisions to be first place in. True. With the Ravens, the Browns, and, and the Steelers. That is. I mean, he's getting a lot of help. I mean, the Browns have yeah. been pretty un, unreliable this year. I mean, the Ravens, oh my gosh, talk about a roller coaster. 
And then, you know, the Steelers are just bowing out. So, I mean, it's perfect timing. Perfect timing to, to for them to just yeah, take well, over. I mean, <laughs> you look at the other teams. I asked that question. He can't, he can't have nobody good? <laughs> he can't have nobody good. I mean, he barely got a line. So, I don't know how he's staying alive. But he's doing it. Okay, we got uh, game four. Let's do game four. It is the Washington football team. I was going to say Redskins. Washington football team against the Raiders. Um, I like Heineke. I like Heineke. I like their their confidence. They go and they play teams every week, and at no point do they did they look at each other and think that they're not going to win. That's a dangerous team. And the Raiders are in a very vulnerable place right now. I, I, I go with Washington. Uh, yeah, you're convincing me on that for sure. Um, but I'd have to say, you know, with everything that's going on with the Raiders, I just don't see them, you know, t- you know, putting it all together. But again, the Washington Redskins or Washington football team, they're not really putting up those points like they need to. You know, and the Raiders could easily put up points in a hurry. That defense in the front four, you know, is a little thin without Chase Young. I'm probably going to go with the Raiders and hope they, you know, really pound Josh Jacobs into, uh, you know, to get 100 yards, 150. Okay, you're going Raiders. Yes, sir. Okay, shushing. <laughs> uh, game five in our pick six, we have the Baltimore Ravens against the Steelers. Bobby McGee, you go first. Uh, yeah, I got Baltimore here. I, I think that uh, they're just finding ways to win. That's what a great football team does. And, uh, you know, Lamar is going to start playing better football, you know, and understanding that if I just play decent football, not great football, he's going to change the game. So he's going to keep growing. I think this week he wins. Ravens. Ravens. I'm I'm going to Ravens because Lamar had a bad game, but the the, the team had his back and – there, there are defining moments in the middle of the season that make you help make you make runs in December going into the playoffs because I, I think this is one of the teams that are going to go to the playoffs. And they had that moment with Flacco when Harbaugh was the coach when they fired the defensive coordinator and, and, um, and Flacco wasn't putting up points. And I don't know. It's like Ray Lewis and those guys are like, hey, we got your back this game. And, and it makes you just want to do, you know, work harder during the week. You know, towards putting your offense together and feel bad for the Steelers. They're going to be on our quick question, but I don't think they're winning this game. I'm going Ravens. Last one, we have the New England Patriots on Monday night facing the Buffalo Bills. I'll go first on that. Hey, 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 let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. Let me tell you something, New England Patriots. Your days of the Buffalo Bills being your favorite beat-up toy are over, okay? That's the Tom Brady era, and though Mac Jones is doing really, really good at not beating himself, and when you need him to stretch the field, the man's got a cannon for an arm, surprising everybody, Alabama's favorite son, her second favorite son, maybe, to, to that running back core they had there. <laughs> but the Patriots are doing good. They're on a roll, but I think the breaks... Are our hit and and Buffalo, where you got? I know who I know who you're going. You because you've been you've been you've been big on them. You saw what a lot of people couldn't. I, I I like what I see. You know, um, the thing is they're both cold weather teams, so I feel like this is not going to be that big of an effect for most. You know, as most teams are affected by that cold, it gives them that little that little edge. I feel like. So um, yeah, I mean, I still think it's going to be the Patriots. I, I think. Uh, um, 
you know, the Buffalo Bills are, are there, are, they're right there, but there's just something missing. You know, there's, there's that leadership in the locker room or, you know, expecting somebody to be a leader that really is just, you know, a great football player. Um, but I think there needs to be a little bit more leadership in that, in that, in that Buffalo Bills uh, right. locker room for, for, for them to beat a type of playoff team. Like I'm, like I'm thinking the Patriots are going to be, I'm not saying that, you know, the Buffalo isn't a playoff team, but to me, they feel like they do amazing things in the regular season and then they come to playoffs and it just doesn't feel the same. So, I don't blame you. Um, I, dear, as a fan, I'm sure, you know, you can understand yeah. what that feels like. I'm a prisoner of the moment. You know, I already told I, I myself I'm picking them every game because <laughs> I think I was going to be right 13 out of 17 times. Right. You know, um, but yeah, I'm going with the Patriots. I, I just feel like that. They are so tight situationally that it puts pressure on the coaching staff as well as the players to just be perfect, you know, and execute. And uh, Mac Jones playing out of his mind, and that's the type of player you want to have playing your best is your quarterback. So that was the last piece. Yeah, right. Nine, nine defensive players back from um, last year's COVID thing, you know. So they went from like this team that was struggling on defense to the, to this overload of players who were like. You know, Bill, we're back. <laughs> put put me in. Put me in, coach. Use us anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I like. Yeah, I understand why, and I have every reason to pick the Patriots too. But somehow, some way, I think the Bulls are going to pull this out. Um, Did uh, didn't you guys lose Tre'Davious White recently? Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, but the way they fell in. Oh, for sure. Or even strike. I mean, but you know, when you start game planning for that, you know, yeah. you you lose your number one. That's 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 tough. Yep. You know, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think that's just gonna make the tight end. You know, Henry more act. He's gonna be more active and more. You know, Henry, they got Henry at, at New England right mm-hmm. now, and they, without without Jadavius White, you're gonna. I expect to see to to see him do a lot of good things in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's home. It's the only difference. They play each other twice in three weeks. So. It's here, and then two, and then two weeks from now, or two Sundays, or this is a Monday night game, but two Sundays afterwards they play again. So hmm. um, we get to do this all over again. <laughs> kind of like with the Cowboys and the, and the Washington football team, they yep. play like two weeks after each other. Yeah, wow, you're right. So let's um, we're moving on to topic three because we always talk a little MMA, even though there's not a whole lot to talk about the last few weeks. Hmm. Um, you know, Covington, Camaro, that, that was in the books. We talked about that. Doug Rose, you know, solidifying herself at one thirty at 115. She's, she is far removed from the Thug Rose. We saw the ultimate fighter, you know, in the finale getting choked out by Carla Esparza. Mm-hmm. But today, let's talk about another legend. We're going to talk about Jose Aldo. Aldo is fighting Rob Font this week. Font is a tough, tough out. Or, and in his case, might be an in, right? But, yeah. um... First of all, we will, I guess we'll do a pick here, but Aldo has a long career and he's the one fighter we want to concentrate on since there's nothing going on. We get to, we get to focus on this one guy. For sure. This, this Brazilian guy who, whose English is getting better as we speak, um, who is very, very media shy coming in, right? He was the WC, WEC champ. The UFC purchased them. And then um, they just made him champ. Right, because the UFC introduced a 145-pound division. They didn't have uh, one. And just very much like Ronda Rousey, they just gave him the belt. And he defended it against Korean Zombie, uh, Frankie Edgar twice, mm. um, Chad Mendez twice. I mean, just some really, really just, man, some some absolute killers. You know, because at that time, Frankie was a stud. Frankie was a, a high-pressure fighter. Right. And Chad Mendez was... You know, in love with his right hand, knocking people out. And Korean Zombie just kept 
coming at you too. So these are not um, Hominick. Mark Hominick was one of his. Uh, that was a that was a banger too. So, so I guess I got a couple of questions. But first question, Rob, what's one moment that you remember about Jose Aldo that um, either helped define his career or just helped fans appreciate him? Uh, yeah. Was there a particular match? Absolutely. Uh, Uriah Faber. When he, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, Thief. Yeah. yeah. Just because I remember watching that, and, man, like I, don't, I feel like this is one of the first times I actually felt his pain. You know, like you didn't want him to get kicked again in that same spot. But, man, you knew that this guy was not going to be walking right after that fight. Once the adrenaline wore off. I mean, dude, his leg looked like there was a baseball on the side of it. It was insane. So, yeah, that was one of my my, my most memorable uh, moments. It's just, you know, Uriah Faber getting his leg almost, you know, to, just taken off his body. Like, uh, I've never seen somebody not adjust that, that like, to, to something that's happening to him. I mean, you got to think that somebody's kicking your leg and trying to kick it off your body. And the way that Aldo's kicking, unbelievable. <laughs> Dude, he was chopping that inside leg. He was oh. doing inside leg kicks, and then uh, when Uriah lifted his leg, he hit the same spot. Look at that! Look at look at look at where that foot is. <laughs> Just and you're right, man. His leg started to look like there it is. There it is again, right here. Calf kick, because hmm. like that calf kick basically shuts shuts down. Shuts down your leg, man. You right. you don't have any feeling, uh, uh, and then, you know, that's even worse because because he was feeling the pain. There it goes again the body kick, because now Uriah's um, guarding high for the head kick because he knows Aldo can head kick, and that's what it looked like. My goodness, calf kick on the right leg, Oof. and then that that um that leg kick left leg right there, just murdering it. You're right. Very. Uh, I, I like that as a defining moment because if you remember Uriah Faber. He was the, the golden boy of the, the featherweight division. Mm-hmm. He was the California kid. He was the one scoring these slick submissions. He beat Dominic Cruz. He beat, Cubs, uh, I believe, Cub Swanson, maybe. No, Aldo beat Cub Swanson to get that match. Um, and that's a great defining moment for him. My defining moment for Aldo is when he beat Chad Mendez mm-hmm. in Brazil. It was the end of the first round. They were against the cage, and Chad Mendez was pressing, and he dodged the press. Uh, and Chad fell forward, and when he turned around, Aldo did some kind of ridiculously spinning spinning head kick or whatever, and it was a KO against Chad, who at the time was undefeated, but not just undefeated, just 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 killing people, dude, just murdering people. Um, sorry, where am I? This is what happens when I do my own show. <laughs> um, so that was my defining moment for him, even though I really love the the two matches he had with um, Max Holloway. Mm. I'm trying really desperately not to associate Aldo with getting knocked out. I mean, we have to mention it one time or whatever, but we don't, I don't want that to be the straw man fallacy of this man's career. The man who got knocked out by Conor McGregor in 13 seconds. Yeah. I mean, I think the hard thing about that is, is that he's had, you know, that was a, you know, one of those knockouts that can change your career, you know, and, and not like in the, you know, what happened afterwards with the fame and all that stuff. But, you know, more of like, you know, psychologically with the fighter, you yeah. know, like like with Pacquiao, I feel like when he got knocked out by Mar- uh, Mark Man- Manuel, um, Mark Juan. Yeah, Marquez. Marquez, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that Manny, was... Manny, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, like 
that change I feel like Manny wasn't the same after that he'll he'll never be the same fighter and, and I think that same thing kind of happened with Aldo where he's trying to get back to a, a point where he you know and that's why this fight's very important just like they were saying about uh uh, Glover to share when he won against Jan Blahovich is where, you know, it really doesn't matter about age. It kind of just matters about where your mind is. You know, are you are you ready to fight? You know, are you prepared to put what you need in there and and execute your game plan? And you see, like the older you get, the more you focus on a game plan, the more you can kind of execute that as opposed to just trying to outwork like outwork somebody or you know just beat them. Yeah. solely on skills as opposed to game planning executing your game plan and and finishing somebody who's in front of you yeah. yeah so i think that's what i'm actually really excited to see in this fight is is aldo going to become a, a veteran fighter who is going to you know game plan to take somebody out in front of them or is he just going to try to leg kick somebody out you know or is he going to try to just run his game plan as, as he normally does but i feel like he has to change it up as he's older so I'm really interested to see this fight, but I also think Rob Font's gonna come in there and and, and do some damage. So it's gonna be fun. Font's be fun a dangerous dude, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, like I was just showing people the fights. Like he lost to Connor, and then um, he bounced back with Frankie, and then battled Max Holloway twice. I think both of them. One was for an interim title match, and one was for a title title. And then, um, I'm, just when you thought he's done, he Jeremy Stevens, who was like murking people at 155, moves down to 145, and Aldo nails him with a body kick. Good comeback fight for him. And then Hanato Makano, that only the purists know, you know, like the diehards know. Mm-hmm. That is a dangerous fight. That was a dangerous fight to take, and he won that by TKO as well. A um, couple of split decisions. Marlon, Marlon Moraes lost by split decision. Um, I think he won a close decision against Marlon Vera. But that was 3-0. And then he beat Pedro Munoz, which sets sets up the stage. But I like your match. I like your de- your defining moment. I like and I like mine because I believe that was the second match he fought in the UFC. I'm just scrolling right now and I'm looking at it. Yeah, Hominick was the first one, then Kenny Florian. Remember Kenny Florian moved down oh, yeah. to 155. But this one was in Brazil. You know, you got a Brazilian champion mm. and knocking knocking out someone in your hometown. It's very much like I mean we have a whole bunch of volleyball descriptions we're not gonna get into because this is about MMA but but um yeah big up to host Jose Aldo and I'm glad we glad we had a chance to talk about him and um, we will pick a winner but we're gonna save that mm-hmm. for quick question good good all right um, how you feel about that <laughs> I like that I was about to just blurt it out that's how I feel about that you're like I tell you who I I'll tell you who I pick. Right now. <laughs> So I apologize for the echo in my microphone or whatever. I, I just think it's my voice. We could switch mics and, and I'll echo. I'll echo on that too and you'll sound normal. So um, for some reason in studio it doesn't like my voice and sometimes it does. And, all right. But <laughs> for now, let's go to my favorite topic. We're going to go um, to shame or not to shame. 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 So, Rob, to shame or not to shame, LeBron James, after his suspension, gets a victory post-game post, post, uh, post um, game interview, um, actually says the F word and an expletive or whatever and this and that, and the media kind of uh, came down on him. He's supposed to be like this idol for kids and stuff like that. So, I guess my question to you is shame on the media or shame on LeBron James? 
Um, I think it's just a little bit of, uh, I don't think it's a shame on anybody in particular. I think it's just, uh, you know, a little bit of LeBron losing his shine. Like I was saying, uh, you know, the media would treat him a certain way, you know, for a certain amount of time because he's a megastar. And as he's losing that, um, you know, face of the NBA type of, uh, you know, protection, I feel like, you know, some, he's not going to get away with a lot of things. A lot of that's on the court, but some of that is also, you know, the way that the media and and people and uh, you know reporters treat treat him and ask questions and you know step up to him and say certain things and um, yeah, I I don't think it's a shame. I think it's more of just somebody you know could have a conversation with them and 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 figure that out. You know, I don't think it has to be blasted or, or people care about if he's cursing or not. Everybody curses. Just bleep it out and move on to the next thing. You know, exactly. The- they do have a five second delay, right, right. for a live, live or whatever. So, okay, there goes our horn. Um, Floor's mine on this one. I'm going to go. If I have to pick one, the truth is always in the middle. But which side of the middle? I'm going to go shame on Le- on LeBron. But I will I will cite this first. There is an athlete exceptionalism. Like there's people like Conor McGregor who not only curses but does does a whole bunch of stuff. Um, in wrestling, right? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, cursed like a truck driver but who doesn't want to cease who doesn't imagine a dream of kicking their boss's ass one day so it's one of those things he's re- there's certain people their language and how they carry themselves are revered that the same reason lebron's shamed for with that being said if you purport yourself uh, um, or propel yourself into making people believe you're all about the kids and if you make people think uh, you're, you're a role model for kids if you're doing space jam you know, whatever, and, and and taking pictures and 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 doing all this kid-friendly stuff, then then people are going to expect that from you. So it's like if if that's who you are or that's who you show in the public who you want to be, you got to come with that same energy. And and like you said, there is a kind of okay, he cursed, he did it. Get, let's let's get fine. Let's move on. Why this is even a ten-minute segment is beyond me. This is not a ten-minute segment for us. We've only indulged one minute of the piece, which we could have actually split thirty seconds a piece. But I did want to use that as a as a um, a said way to introduce the exceptionalism of some athletes or whatever, and and in the NBA too. Well, I also got to say too is like, um, and this is for all professionals and all ages, because you know at, at the end of the day right now there's a lot more um there's a lot less privacy when it comes to you know superstars megastars and professional athletes so this goes to anybody when when stuff like that happens lebron is also a human being you know he can also say things and make mistakes and it it doesn't have to be the end of the world because it even if he's trying to be a role model it doesn't mean that's the only thing he is do you know what i mean if he's trying to be a good person it doesn't mean that's the only thing he is you know so you have to give him room to grow you know, we've been involved in his life since age 16. You know, he's now 38, and we have not given this man any type of privacy. He can't even curse now in front of the media. Like, yeah. I think we can give him a little bit of leeway and say, you know, hey, on the back end, not even, you know, chastise him. Hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't say it like that. Or go parent your kids. You know, if you're too weak to listen to somebody say, like, hey, uh, oh, F this or F that on the TV, like, it's okay. It's going to happen in life once or twice. You know, if you don't want to hear it, put it out your mind and don't listen to those people no more. There it is. Well, I heard someone once say, the, uh, for people who curse, uh, they lack the vocabulary to have better descriptions. 
I say the opposite. I say people who curse are the ones that have the balls to call something the best description they know how. Now, with that being said, there is a little bit of a straw man fallacy going on with LeBron James. I mean, he's not Luke Skywalker from Two Live Crew, right? It's not his whole vocabulary, for Christ's sakes. So, for me, like, if I'm going to teach my kids or LeBron's sending a message to kids, um, if he's using the F word or whatever in an interview, um, in conjunction or connection to the circumstances of what he's talking about, maybe instead of examining him using the F word, examine his description of that to describe that situation. And that's what I would teach my kids. First of all, you're a kid. You ain't cursing until you leave my house. But if I were going to teach my kids as far as being young adults, if effed up is a better way, a more appropriate way to describe it than whatever, than than messed up, um, then use that. But if everything, every fifth word is a curse, that's different. So I think there are limits to that. And like you said, because... People don't have a private life, particularly celebrities. And you, you, you can find any you can dude, you can find anyone's worst moment right right now. I like it because it's not something like if you see him do something in private, he's still that same person in public. Yeah. So um, this episode's called "Come with That Same Energy," and that's what I say to LeBron. Just say, "Hey, you know, my bad. I'll pay the fine. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a basketball player." And I'm, I'm in many ways an idol of kids, but I'm not a saint. <laughs> so, That's right. yeah, I mean, we, I mean, one of my favorite podcasts is, is Joe Rogan, right? He's um, people had this thing in their head like, oh, you're wearing one face for this or one face for that. No, it's it's it is two faces, but it's the same person. Right. Right. What you say at a bar or what you and me say to each other at a bar, we have oh, I'm having one of them frozen girly drinks is not something I would say to my boss. You know, so those aren't, that's not being two-faced. That's just knowing when, <laughs> having this environment and knowing when to behave in that environment. That's But that's where it's coming from, Rob. Yeah, they they think mean, you're supposed to be this person in private. No, you are, your your personas here and your personas there. And they're not, you're not pretending to be different people. They're the same person. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like that. And I know what you're saying. I think it's just like a. Uh, you know, a very truncated version of of trying to explain to somebody the difference between a private face and a public face. Because right. I think there, like you're saying, there's a lot of different. Going a little off topic, but there's a lot of different types of faces. You know, people call it putting on a different suit. You right. know what I mean? You mm-hmm. know, you put on your work suit, you put on your at home suit, you put on. You know, so it's it's all different analogies to come to the same thing of that. You know, we are. You have to figure out who you are. You have to find out who you are. But there's a lot of different facets to who you are, and, mm-hmm. that, and not just because you do this doesn't define you. Just because LeBron plays basketball doesn't mean that is defining to him. Right. Right. It's yep. just defining to us because that's what we see of him. But it's probably a lot more to him than we know. You know. Yeah. So, and that goes to everybody. Where it's like, because I'm a volleyball player doesn't mean that's the only thing that that that, that drives me. You know. So. It's, I think it's just everybody is unique and is need to be learned. Yeah, we we there are many things we are, mm. right? I mean, nobody. I, I always tell my friends nobody's just one thing, and and that's really why I introduced this. It's, it's a stupid subject matter for shame to not to shame that that it was able allowed us to talk about something that was a little bit more important. Okay, yep. so let's get to other important things, ladies and gentlemen. I will bring you. What's up next? It's called, I think it's called Quick Question, right? (laughs) 
I'm not singing it though. Guess what, Rob? I actually got something. Here it goes. That's a quick question, Rob. This way you don't have to listen to my, my god-awful wailing. Uh, quick question, Rob. Debo Samuel, first wide receiver with three rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl era. Um, do we expect to see more receivers do this? Or is he just, uh, or is he just unique? No, I, just, I think he's unique and he's unique to the system. But I do not believe mm. we'll see more of that from wide receivers. Yeah, quick question, Rob. Does Michigan deserve to be in the top four after beating Ohio State? Yeah, after that pass rush. My goodness, those guys on defense are killing. Yeah, Yeah, they came in as the five. They beat the two. That's pretty academic to me. Congratulations to Jim Harbaugh, who after eight years has finally got one against their cross-town, cross-state rivals. Mm. Uh, Quick question. Is the NFC stronger than the AFC? I'll go first on this one. I say no. I, I think they're more popular. I think, you know, America's team is doing well. I think Brett Farr, um, um, Brett Farr, Aaron Rodgers is doing well. And when those people do well, Tom Brady's now in the NFC. And when these star players do well, it, it offers the illusion that they're the stronger conference. But the last three weeks, I just did a head count. The AFC um, and the AFC versus NFC matchups, the AFC is 14, the NFC is 7. Hmm. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, uh, you know, the AFC is definitely has the higher echelon of teams and it's got a great amount of teams that are, you know, coming up from the bottom. So I, I definitely say AFC. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, quick question. Will the Steelers have an above 500 record? No. Um, actually I say no. I think they'll have a 500 record. They have a tie. There you go. I was like with 17 wins, there's, there's not going to be any 500 record, but I'm like, Ooh, Pittsburgh, you threw a monkey in my wrench. I would be sad because that'd be Tomlin's first losing season. His worst season since his coach of the, uh, and coaching with the Steelers, his worst season was 8-8. Eight and eight. With nobody, with no Ben, I mean, no, no Bell, and no Brown. Think about it, though. They, they've been with Big Ben since the entirety of, yeah. of Tomlin's tenure. Right? Yeah. That's pretty yeah. crazy. They've never, never had another quarterback. You know? And with two trips to the Super Bowl, I know it's been a long time, but consider this, like... People forget they were twelve and four last year. Oh yeah, I know. and something they consider a disappointing season, <laughs> you know, because of how it how it Finished, ended, right? Yeah. Um, quick question, Rob. Okay, Rob Font, the number four ranked featherweight against the number fifth featherweight, actually bantamweight, one thirty five. Yeah. Rob Font against Jose Aldo. I'm gonna go with Rob Font here. It's probably the wrong choice, but I, I'm gonna go with my heart on it, and I think uh, Rob's gonna take this one. I think it's gonna be a three round. Uh, it's three round, five round. Uh, it's five round. It's main yeah, event. Mm. Yeah, I I feel like it, it'll be a decision um, for for Font, but uh, yeah. Well, both guys can go to distance. I um I think so too. I think he's gonna go to distance, and I think Rob Rob Font's gonna get the nod. And Jose Aldo, I don't I don't think he's tainting his legacy by by continuing to lose. But no matter, I mean, if he's getting murked, like remember BJ Penn at the end, where you're like, God, just please, please. you're yeah. breaking my heart, yeah. you know. And you when you see Silva get caught a couple, Anderson Silva, you 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 want to say the same thing because you have this image of them. Well, now that he's not in the MMA, it's a little different. But yeah, right. when he was MMA, it was like, oh no, yeah, you know, this guy's an old man. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that, man. Yeah. Not everybody's going to be Tom Brady. Um, oh, quick question. Which team will win the NFC? The Bucks or the Packers? Or none of the above? 
the I, NFC. I think the Packers. I think the Packers. They look real, real clean, and AJ Dillon is just killing it. They're, they're, and imagine. I can't even imagine what's gonna happen when Aaron uh, Adam Jones or Aaron Jones comes back. But um, yeah, that that duo, and you have that defense who's just looking great. So I think it's gonna be the Packers, honestly. I think it's the Packers because they're they're racking up wins right now. Their goal is to be the number one seed, and if the NFC has to go through Lambeau Field, I just don't see the Bucks beating them twice, and in Lambeau Field two years in a row. Um, there was there that was a, if you remember that was a game last year that could have went either way. Yeah. They thought what's his name made a mistake by kicking the field goal. I I personally didn't because I'm thinking football and not you know prisoner of the moment superstar shit. Um, yeah, I would have said the Cardinals. I would have said none of the above, but they already played each other head to head, and I see and I and that wasn't even a good game by the Packers, and no. which they won. Um, quick question, Rob. Uh, Coach Riley leaves Oklahoma to go to USC. Good move or bad move? I think it's a great move. Yeah. Um, USC has been in, kind of in trouble for a long time. Um, they're a, a top-flight name. They just they need influx of great, um, you know, of, of a reason to get people to go there again. And now they definitely have it. Yeah. Um, I like it because he's an offensive-minded head coach. I don't know if he was a former OC. My guess is he was. And when you are in the South Bay, and when you're in the LA area, and even if they're losing, if they're lighting up, the, if they have, they, if they're lighting up the scoreboard, it's that's Hollywood. He's Hollywood. he's gonna he's gonna have a good time here. He'll be a made man, and not even and not even, you know, be in the national picture though. I don't know. The man is the quarterback whisperer, right? Look at the last three quarterbacks: and Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and uh, Hurts. Yeah. And Hurts that last year. Quick question, Rob: Will Stafford uh, continue to play poorly? Yes, I feel like he's just a dude who's once you get scouting on him, you know, you know he doesn't know how to throttle down his throws, and he just wants to beam it in there. You get a little pressure on him. He's just a strong arm quarterback. So, unfortunately, yes, but he's still better option than Jared Goff. Yes, he's an improvement <laughs> from Goff, but because we saw right. we saw that going the other way too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want it for Stafford. I just he's in a bad patch right now, and I don't see him playing uh, better or working his way through it until the very end. And hope hopefully it's not too late. It so, just doesn't seem like he knows what he wants. No. Like uh, he doesn't know what he wants. Uh, a Sean McVay wants from him, right? Mm-hmm. He just. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, let me ask an embarrassingly tough question: Is does is Beck does Beckham help or hurt the situation? I think just all these influx of new players hurts the situation in the sense that there's no stability. But again, there is no stability there because they lost their running back one, two, three. They lost, you know, they've been losing players all year long. Woods, yeah, um, and and then they bring in, you know, they lose Kenny Kenny Young. They traded him out of there, so there's just a lot of things changing, and they were seven and three, you know they were they were doing really well. So it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to think that um, they they are where they are now, but uh, mm. they just got to hit the reset. Yeah, go back. I mean, they were crushing. I do like season. Beckham there because of the head coach, though. Yeah, the head I coach mean, is I, really Sean McVay is really good with strong personalities. Yep, yep. and um, he's going to get him involved, and that's all Odell needs. But mm-hmm. I don't think Odell is the same Odell anymore. No, he's not catching a lot of balls that are not as difficult as the ones he was catching when they were, when they're, you know, he's one handed fingertip catching. And I think a lot of that is just intent, you know, Mm -hmm. just like, 
uh, the ball's not getting to me or I'm going to go get that ball. Quick question. Does it, did him leaving Cleveland cause a divide in Cleveland? No, I think it, it brings them closer because I thought they, you know, they just were without, like they didn't even want him in Cleveland like that, you know, so they just tried to keep him out of it and, you know, get back to running the ball and Miles Garrett sacking this quarterback. And I think that's what they've been doing really well. So I think it was best for both parties. I go from a year ago rooting against Cleveland they're kind of rooting for them. It's weird, weird. I mean, do you remember a year ago when we, we uh, did a pick six and it was the Cowboys and the Browns and you're like, I don't know if I despise two teams more than these two. I just have me cracking up. But I, I feel a different way about Cleveland. Definitely. Still feel the same way about the Cowboys. Um, quick question. LA's win in Detroit. Did it, uh, the Lakers against the Pistons. Did it feel like a loss or is a win is a win? No, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I was, I was watching the game and I was like, how is this game this close? The Lakers came had a third quarter that was like 45 points. If they didn't have that, they won. And it's funny that the news was saying they won by four or five points. They're like, oh, the Lakers crushed the Pistons. I was like, they won by, it was 110-106, and they had to come back. They had a 40-point third quarter. Do you know right. how bad yeah. that is? Yeah, that's that's. That's um, mean you're playing terrible ball in the first <laughs> two quarters. You pick it up for one quarter and then you cruise to the victory at the end, and you almost still lose. <laughs> like what? <laughs> that's crushing. So let me yeah. know. Yeah, I think it's just uh, the Lakers are in a bad mm-hmm. place. They got a lot of pieces that they have to figure out how to use, and nobody's you know they got to get shooters that's all they got bigs you got bigs you need shooters you don't need westbrooks running down the court and and transition like it's not necessary get some bigs play some d3 and then uh yeah there it is that's it yeah i i thought it felt like a loss i mean i i I actually put down the lakers got out rebounded 53 to 42 i mean they've been getting out rebounded all of these games so even even in a lot of these wins feel like a loss um, the Pistons' record is four and sixteen, so it's it's a team where I, I maybe you know, and the fans and the players and the coaches feel like that they should have won by a, a significantly larger margin. But the Lakers have some stuff they have to work out. So, so it would have been worse with a loss, but it felt like a loss. <laughs> I know, and I know to the I've been coaching for a long time. I know to some of the players that felt like a loss. Except for Westbrook. He's like, I'll take that W. You I'll know? take them um, Yeah. So that's the end of the quick question. Rob, before we go, I wanted to talk about uh, something that might be quick or something that might drag a little bit. Right now, right now we're doing pretty good. Um, I want to talk about the process of hiring African-American coaches on the college football scene and the college basketball scene, particularly in sports where – it's dominated by African-Americans. I bring your attention to college football, um, and I bring your attention definitely to college basketball. Um, The NBA, the NFL, we already believe that there should be more head coaching opportunities for for some of these guys. Look, there are untouchables. Like if you can get Larry Brown, right, to coach college for your, your school, get him. Patino, Iona, that is, that's a, that's a godsend. That's a gift from God, okay? But, what do you think they can do to give African Americans more head coaching opportunities in college sports? <clears throat> and let me the say, NFL, they do have the Rooney rule. Yes, and, they do. And, and, and in and fact, the AFC North, I think all of them, for a year, like all of them were black coaches. Let me say this. How many, and this is just going to NFL, but this can go to you know many 
of the the sports too because it can go to basketball too how many offensively minded coaches offensively minded african-american coaches are employed you know you got eric the enemy you know, defensive in, coordinator or is the offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator okay. in in, uh, in 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 uh kansas city but past that i mean that's really where the coaches the head coaches come from they come from the quarterback whisperer or the they know how to run an offense they know how to put points up on the board because at the end of the day your defense is you know its own entity but as a team as a head coach i believe you need to be a, an offensive minded uh, individual and then when you look at that a lot of the african-american coaches you know they're going to come a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball or a little bit more of the lineman aspect or in a in a wide receiver aspect but when you're talking about quarterbacks it's not necessarily the connection there between the african-american quarterback uh, uh, the the uh, the non-african-american quarterbacks and the coaches and i think that um there's a disconnect there i mean it's even showing up i feel like with you know what they're doing in Baltimore. Like, they just don't know how to utilize Lamar as well as they could. Right. You know? And they're doing a great job because I feel like Lamar is a an absolute megastar. But it's still like this, you know, this this tug back and forth about, you know, are we going to let the let the reins off and just, you know, maybe he has a seven, you know, a seven interception game, but maybe he starts getting seven and eight you know, touchdowns a game, you know, it's, I think there's this delicate balance where people don't know really what to do with this new style of quarterback play, this new style of, of game. And I think that's where things are going to start changing in the, um, in the head coaching aspect is the GMs, the owners are going to want to be able to connect to their players, you know, and how better not to do that than to get somebody who understands the same flow um, and, and the same, you know, Byron Leftwich. Yeah. Finally, you have certain people who are playing the game a certain way. You know, I'd love to see a Dominic Unab, you know, get into a offensive coordinator type of understanding or or position. But I think it just comes to a you have to have a certain offensive capability as a head coach. And I don't believe that, you know, a lot of black coaches have that opportunity, whether it's to, you know, play the position themselves, you know, to understand the workings of what's going on behind the quarterback or just, you know. Having but, the respect for that side of the game, you know. There's also a general defensive. Sorry, Bobby. There's also a generational uh, get old boys uh, gap happening where, like, people, uh, the sons of people, the friends of the sons of people, are, are getting these jobs, and as long as they don't suck, they'll keep the job. And for for people to break into that club, um, of course, winning solves all. Byron Bar- Leftwich, right? I mean, if he's he's doing and he's winning, guess what? Boom! You know, basketball has been a, re- a revolving door of, of good coaches. Even coaches with winning records who are getting fired. I remember that guy. That guy got coach of the year and got fired right. <laughs> the, the year he got coach of the year. So, so and th- and we're again we're, we're, we we seep towards professional sports where whatever. And I think uh, just for the people listening, like if I'm applying for like a college coaching job for volleyball or like a club coach and this and that. I think they're always going to go to the person they knew or they grew up with. So I live in the South Bay. So if I'm in an area where where the relationships are incestuous, where that, that guy's going to get that club job, that guy's going to get that NCAA job because they know that person. Um, I don't know necessarily know if that's unfair. I just think people are going with something, someone with something what they know. 
And you know what I'm saying? And I mean on a different level, that's kind of like a good old boys club. And good old boys club as a term gets a bad rap because of that. But uh, And some of their defenses, they're going with someone that they know instead of... Um, Taking taking a chance from the job. Taking a chance. Yeah. But I think and, and in closing, I think if people start taking more chances, you're gonna see more colors. You know, you're gonna see more colors in the game. And and, and I didn't mean colored like black, but like colors in the game. You're gonna see more creativeness. You're gonna see new new ideas. You're, it's gonna generate more fan support. We desperately want that for our sport and I think that's definitely gonna only help college sports and professional sports and that are that are that are dominated by people who are not who are not white. And totally. that's all I wanted to say about that. Totally. Rob, is there anything you want to say before we get out of here? Stay happy, stay healthy, y'all. Stay happy, stay healthy. You know what? <laughs> I'm not even mad at that. I, I, I'm going to say the same thing. Where are we at? I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own camera work today. I'm going to say stay happy, stay healthy. For my man, Rob, keep it. McLean. McLean. I'm Jason DeBeas right here. I love you guys to pieces. Peace. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.